redefining narratives, and shifting perspective. This, this is Story Noir. Welcome to Chapter 5 of the Story Noir podcast. I'm your host, Opal, and I'll be facilitating a conversation with two people who are like family. We're going to be talking about all things comics and graphic novels. I'm joined today by Tin Fam and Brianna Lowenson, a duo of Oakland-based educators who are also best friends. One of the many things that solidifies their friendship is their love of art, specifically comic books. A recent Infinity Stone they both received is the title of Published Authors. Yay! (laughs) Currently, Brianna is on tour for her debut memoir, Ephemera, and Tim is working on his next graphic novel, Family Style, Memoirs of an American from Vietnam, which debuts on June 20th of this year. Both titles are and will be available wherever books are sold, but given that this is Story Noir, we always encourage you to support your local bookstore. I'll let Tin and Brianna tell their friendship origin story in their own words, but their bond is truly special. This conversation will be set up in two parts, where I'll be speaking with Tin and then Brianna, and then both of them together towards the end. We'll talk about how they kept their creative spark throughout the course of the pandemic, the ways in which they pay homage to their starkly different childhoods, and how that's informed the work that they published today. Tin is described as a graphic novelist, comic artist, and educator based in Oakland, California. Whoop, whoop. He's, the art, he's the author and illustrator of the graphic novel Sumo and did the art for the middle grade graphic novel Level Up, written by Gene Yang and has been an ongoing contributor to, the, to Eater SF. Tin studied at the Academy of Art in San Francisco and has a BFA in illustration. But without further ado, Tin, thanks for joining. Yay! I'm so excited to be part of this. Um, uh, I, uh, you know, whenever we do things, we're always doing it uh, for uh, like such old people like us. So uh, it's great to uh, to be on something for uh, you know uh, you emerging artists and stuff like that as well. Amazing! I, I I feel like yes, like you say the old people, but you work with the kids, so I feel as though you yeah, know, yeah, kind yeah, of yeah, yeah, Gen yeah. Z. You hear our slang, you you understand, you know what the TikTok and the the Twitter and and all of that yeah. is. So I got to give you a little bit of credit for for keeping up with the kids. So thank you so much for taking uh, a chance to have a conversation with me. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes I because I teach and because uh you know like I I do comics for uh, young people. I always forget that I'm old. And then uh, you'll go somewhere and then you'll, you know, you'll say things and then they're like, oh, yeah, that's right. I'm old. <laughs> It'll be like a reference to TV or some sort of yeah, show. Or like music or something. Exactly. You, know, you, you tell your friend, oh, have you heard the new Taylor Swift al- album? I hear it's really good. And they're like, what? And then I was like, it's okay. Like, we, well, we don't listen to Taylor Swift. It's like, <laughs> yeah, I get yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. It's like, that yeah. is so 2008, 2008. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> No, I hear you. Well, as as I said, you're a published author and you talk about in, within the title of itself, Memories of an American from Vietnam. And so mm-hmm. tell me a little bit about your story of how you came to be in Oakland, California, of all places. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, uh, when I came to America, I came to America in 1980. And um, the funny thing was when we were on the refugee camp, you know, like 
you before you get to um, United States, you have to be in a refugee camp for a while, and basically you apply to come to America. Um, there has to be someone in America that sponsors you over to America. So usually, a lot of uh, during uh, the Vietnamese diaspora. Um, there was a lot of people that were uh, sponsored by churches and 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 um, and like charity groups and stuff like that. But we actually had a um, a my mom had a cousin that that had gone to uh, America to um, to study and um, and was actually uh, married to an American uh, man. So. So she was sponsoring us, but the thing weird thing was when she was sponsoring us, when she was doing the paperwork, she was still in Michigan, um, because uh, she was doing uh, she was going to school in Michigan State or Michigan, the University of Michigan, and um, and so when we finally got the call that we were going to America, I remember it was really weird because everybody was going to either like Los Angeles or San Jose or Houston or New Orleans. These were like the big areas where um where Vietnamese people were going. Um and we they just told us and they they said Michigan and we're like Michigan. What? Um but uh but at the last minute that they got a job in San Jose and so we actually got uh, relocated to San Jose, California. And I pretty much stayed in San Jose or the San Jose area my entire life. And it wasn't until um, I got out of college and in, in San Francisco that um, when I was looking for a job, um, a friend, uh, my friend Jean, uh, Jean Yang, who uh, does American born Chinese and uh, and um, level up, he was teaching at a high school in Oakland. And uh, I had met him through a, a group of people that also do comics. Um, and he said, "Hey, there's an opening at my high school," and that's how I ended up in uh, in Oakland, California. And and when I first moved there, it was like so different from San Jose that I was like I was very discombobulated. But now, you know, like I'm pretty much an Oakland guy. You know, I think I've been I've been in Oakland now longer than I have been in San Jose. Yeah, yeah, because I I came here when I was 26. No, I came here when I was 20. Yeah, I've been here just as long, so I, I I'm I identify mostly as an Oakland person. We love yeah. to see it, and so <laughs> I'd say you talk about a lot about food and the in the smells of it and the ways that it's cultivated community. And so, what are some of the dishes that you remember eating when you first got to the U.S.? Well, the weird thing, you know, like the very uh, this is all in my this book, but the first thing, um, you know, our when we were on the boat and when we were on the island, we didn't eat a lot of things because there was not very much available. A lot of fish and a lot of um, of uh, traditional rice and stuff like that. But when we first got to America, um, my uncle, uh, who is American at that time, um, wanted to really like uh, wanted to really celebrate, and he wanted to make us a real American, a very very American meal. And on the same night, like that we had just arrived from uh, on in, in America, he took us to the supermarket and made us this like amazing elaborate steak dinner. It was like steaks and potatoes. And, and we were like so hungry that we were like so excited to eat all this food. And we had, ate, we ate all that food. And then we all got sick because we were just so not used to eating, eating, um, 
eating meats, you know, yeah. so much uh, red meat. So uh, we all just got sick. But um, but since then, like in my book that we I, I talk about uh, the memories of eating potato chips for the very first time, which mm -hmm. was, you know, uh, was a mind blowing when you were a kid. And I remember when I was really when we were we first came, one of the, the biggest treats that we had um, was going to McDonald's on the weekend and getting uh, like a happy meal. Uh, with my parents or getting like uh, McDonald's breakfast and that just feeling so American. Um, you know, like the the only real American food experience we had when we first came here comes from fast food. And I remember the first time also that like we were somewhere where we actually experienced actual homemade American food and it, like really blew my mind. Like I remember when someone gave me a, ham a hamburger at like a, at a birthday party once and it had like, it was a burger with like lettuce and tomato and like, like what a burger should be. And I was like, so perplexed because the only thing I was used to was like a McDonald's cheeseburger. Right. And that doesn't have like all those fixings. And, um, yeah, and, and that was like some of my earliest memories of food, and it's 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 the reason that I wrote my book in the way I did was that um, all my memories, every memory that I have from childhood, from uh, being in the refugee camp, being on the boat, uh, growing up, uh, uh, growing up um, uh, in in San Jose, is tied to a food. I I I see it so much clearer, you know, like. When even when I, my even when it's high school, my high school memories all are tied to like going to Denny's or Chili's or um or like uh or yeah like Mary Callender's and stuff like that. So it's all like tied to foods so like, um and 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 that was when that was the epiphany I had during the pandemic was, my mom and I we we would talk all the time and I I asked them to tell me the story of coming to America. I said, mom, will you tell me the story? And she was telling me the story. And then finally, at the end of, of the conversation, she asked me what I remembered, right? And so I was like, I don't really remember much because I was so young, but I do remember this rice ball that I we had when uh, we were on the boat. And I remember um, the bankung that you made when we were on the refugee island. And I remember the first potato chip we had and all that stuff. And I realized that, that my food memory was more was was clearer than any others so that's why i decided to like so my book uh, every chapter is geared towards uh, a certain meal um that i had at that particular time and and my the story is written kind of around that that meal that's yeah. that's amazing thank you for sharing <laughs> that and so uh thinking about the ways that you uniquely position art with food that's been you know you've kind of trailblazed your own way throughout the bay area tell me a little bit more about your column that you had uh doing food reviews because i've never heard of a comic oh, yeah. food review yeah that, that was really fun i um we um uh, you know we had a huge comic community here in oakland um, a lot of people don't know that, but there was a really big uh, comics community that all did what we did, which was called um, uh, mini comics. And um, I know this is not a video podcast, but I'll show you. But basically, mini comics are these uh, comics that we would 
because at the time nobody was publishing these our our type of comics. Nobody like uh, was really publishing them. Um, so if you wanted your uh, works, uh, your kind of like non superhero comics to be shown, you were basically drawing them and printing them yourself and yeah. stapling them yourself. And so we had this huge community of of cartoonists that was um, that was doing this, and. Um, one of the uh, we decided as a group we wanted to do some stuff in the East Bay Express, and so we approached the editor from the East Bay Express and said, "Hey, um, would would you like to um, do like a uh, like a, 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 a end of the year special where we uh, all these cartoonists uh, draw articles for you?" And so that that came, and so for a while, the East Bay Express would have these year-end uh, issues in comics, where um, local cartoonists in Oakland would draw um, like stories. So they would work with a writer, and they would illustrate the the the, the writer's story. And I happened to have been able to work with the food writer, and we did a story together. His name was John Birdsell, and we did a, a story together about uh, for, I think it was that. Um, this barbecue restaurant or whatnot. And after that, I asked uh, um, the editor, I'm like, hey, this is a really good idea. Maybe we should do food reviews, but instead of just writing it, I could draw it. Cause then, at, you know, not only will you get like a food review and you get a little story, but this also you get actual pictures of the food, you get pictures of like the ambiance and stuff like that. And, uh, and they said, okay, let's try it. So uh, for like, how many years? Maybe five. Five, like five years or so. Me, me, and actually Brianna would go to the eat at these restaurants, and then we would, I would draw the comic, and they would pay me to eat at these this restaurant and draw the comic, which was really amazing. It wasn't a lot of money, like you couldn't live on it, but it was such a fun experience. And ever since then, you know, like I've just been really into. I, I really, I'm, I'm super into food, and I'm super into art, so it just felt like a very natural progression. So, um, so that I, then I met like uh, the editor, the food editor at the East Bay Express, and they moved on to other things, and I kind of follow along, and I uh, I I would do um, uh, food strips uh, from like like in Oakland Magazine. I've done it like uh, Eater SF um, KQED. So yeah, we we've been I've been doing that once in a while. It's super fun. Yeah. That's really exciting. And so I think that was that kind of an early kind of teaser for what um, your debut book is going to be? Yeah, kind of. Um, uh, you know, the, the 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 interesting fun part of 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 doing the food reviews and and all the food, um, the food comics is to uh make it so that it's not just about food, but it was like the food was always an allegory for what was happening at the time or a story that was like pretty much centered around my life. Um, and, uh, and, and that was always the hard part was to like, like you can go to a restaurant and like have a, like a really good hamburger or a really good uh, burrito or something. But then like, how do you create a narrative that is actually interesting. So you not people aren't just reading, oh, this burrito is this, this is this, this. How do you relate that to like uh, an interesting story about life or an interesting story about what is going on now or whatever? Um, and I found that that challenge really fun. Like when I was able to say, oh, I want to uh, um, 
relate you know the 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 newness of this restaurant to the newness of of something that was happening in my life or something like that when something snaps like that and you were able to relate those two things those made for the best comics and they were uh and that those are the times where i really enjoyed doing it um it does, didn't happen all the time but it happened a lot and um and that's kind of like what i'm doing with family style where i'm just basically relating the food of that time and kind of making it um it, it somehow relates to the situation that's going on in that chapter so um so I, I think I, 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 like for example part of uh the the chapter about eating potato chips is also the is is also kind of like a metaphor sort of for um for assimilating into American culture right so um when i ha when i talk about eating potato chips it's not just about the flavor and all that stuff but it's also about discovering and starting to understand america you know so that's really amazing and so with family style who is kind of your target audience is it folks who are wanting to learn more oh. about the vietnam diaspora is it folks who are just food lovers people who love comics who are you kind of oh. Yeah, I mean that was the that was a really a big um push and pull, you know. Like I when I was doing it, I always have thought of it as like an immigrant story, you know, a story about my family's immigration, but told through the lens of food. But um there were other people that were like, no, 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 the food angle, that's the thing that you want to push, you know, you want to go food like it really was a hard to come up with a title because you wanted a title that was both, right? You wanted a title that like has to do with family and immigration. And then you also had a, a title that has something to do with food. Uh, some of the titles had too much to do with food. And then some of the title had too much to do with immigration. And so you had to find a balance. And that's one of the reasons it was so hard to come up with a title because you'd have a title like the sweetness of this or, um, or then you have a title that's just like, uh, traveling through the ocean or something like that. And and both of them, you know, kind of described the book, but to find something that would encompass both like family style um, was kind of an epiphany. I, I really was amazed when, because we were kept, I kept thinking about what could describe a, um, a family's journey uh, through immigration and, and also describe uh, the, the food, the aspect of it. And uh, when I think I was driving and I heard somebody say family style and I was like, yes, that's perfect. But yeah, I I sometimes when I read the book, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is a very food centric book. But then sometimes I read it and it's like, oh, this is just the story of my family. So um, it's 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 both. So I, I'm, I'm hoping to appeal to every, I'm hoping to appeal this to everybody, though, because even though this is an immigration story about a family coming from Vietnam, um, it's a it's a very um universal story of, of immigration to America in general. You know, like you hear a very similar story um from people that immigrate here from uh Mexico or immigrate here from um from uh you know every everywhere else, you know. Uh so it's it's very the all the immigration stories are very similar. I think people can really kind of relate to uh to the story. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I think one thing that came to mind when I thought about food and the title of family style is whenever you eat family style, it's big plates that you kind of share with people. So it's like, I imagine, I don't know, sitting around a table with, you know, all of my cousins and 
siblings and everyone just sharing. And again, it's yes, creating that yes. sense of community, which is I think yeah. is really, really important, especially when you juxtapose that with the immigrant story of like you're coming somewhere where you've never been before and totally. food can kind of be that, you know, that lifeline to, you know, where where you came from uh, before. So that that was just something that came up for me. So. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> so amazing. Well, thank you so much for sharing. Again, of course, yeah. we'll get more into it. But I am going to um, segue over to talking with Miss Brianna with one N, I must say. And we'll get into what that ins- the, the behind the inside joke with that uh, during the conversation uh, with uh, both of them. But um, I wanted to yeah introduce you. Um, you're described as an emoji enthusiast and now an author yeah. of Ephemera, a memoir that was released on the 21st of March. So congratulations to you. Thank you. I had the opportunity to attend the book launch um, at Mrs. Dalloway's bookstore uh, here in Berkeley. Uh, I wanted to say that the vibes were immaculate in the sense that it was pouring rain. <laughs> but you know very bad storm we we trekked through it and when I say we uh my sister myself and uh, a group of close friends so uh yeah let's talk through all things congratulations firstly uh that is so cool like I have a published author like in my family now because I consider you you (laughs) yes yes and so uh tell me about how how does it feel now that you've um surpassed your debut date it feels great. Um, it's definitely pre-launch date was, I think was where I had most of my nerves. Um, cause you just don't know how it's yeah. going to go. And, um, I've just been really humbled and, and like, just really enjoyed the ride so far of, um, of all the, the events I've done and the talks I've had and the, um, reviews have been pretty good so it's been it's been pretty nice and everyone's just so nice about it yes and so for folks who have not been able to read the book yet how would you describe in your own words what ephemera is about I would say um it's a dreamy memoir so it's not a literal memoir in terms of the visuals or the storyline um I had I wanted it to feel a little bit more universal so the characters are sort of um everything is a little undefined um the place is sort of confusing and um, ambiguous um and I was hoping that that would sort of make it less feel like this specific story and maybe like a story that people could find could relate to um so it's a memoir it goes through back and forth between like a present day present day me and a childhood. Um, and it's about my relationship with my mother who suffered from mental illness. Um, and, um, just dealing with that and the confusion of childhood and how we don't really understand what's going on around us. And even as adults, sometimes we can't and, um, and trying to reconcile those feelings. And I would say the way when I think of memoir, of course, you kind of think of, you know, someone's life story, you know, 300 plus pages. But this, again, is kind of the cross between, you know, a graphic novel and then your own personal narrative. And so how did you come up with the style of it? Had you seen someone do this in the past or were you like, I'm just going to go for it and see if it sticks? Well, I I also um, grew up in my comics 
childhood making uh, mini comics like tin. So in my, my teens and twenties, I would make little mini comics. Um, I would like staple them, copy them at the copy mat, try to beg for 25 cents from stores to buy them from me. Um, and my stories were always pretty short, maybe like 12 pages. And they were always these just like little surreal, um, sort of you usually sad stories. Um, so I like things that I love magical realism. It's probably like my favorite genre of, um, prose books. Mm -hmm. Um, so for me, that's what always really like I'm interested in is something that's like uh, intangible, something that is a little, a little like set in a real world, but then has like a magical quality to it. Um, so, um, that knowing that going into it, then I was like, well, I want to do this book. Um, and I want to do something about my, my mom. Um, and I, who is no longer with us. Um, and I also love drawing plants. So I was like, I want to include plants just as like a very basic, I just love drawing them. Um, and, um, so I really wanted it to, I, and I also didn't want it to, um, I couldn't, I couldn't get going if, if I felt like it had to look exactly like us. So if I felt too tied to realism, then I felt like it had to be exactly like it. And I was like, well, I didn't wear that shirt or her, you know, she would never have like put her hair in a ponytail or whatever it is. Like, it just like, like I, I felt too tied to that and the stress or her face looked wrong. Like it was, and it was also like, honestly, just like scary to draw her face. I didn't want to look at that. So, um, I was like, I'm going to set this in a time that is maybe when my mother was a little girl or my grandmother even, um, so that it took it outside of that pressure in my head. And I could tell how everything felt to me, but just shown visually differently. So all it's, it's really like a memoir of like how, how my childhood felt and my thinking process and later the loss of my mother and how I've reconciled with that. Um, and I was, I hope that the, because it looks old, that it sort of brings the feeling of like, this maybe has been going on for generations and that feeling that it like, she did this to me and her mother was the way to her and her grandmother was the type of way to her. And you know, that it sort of goes on and on and, and so get that sort of feeling into it. Yeah. It seems, you know, the, the term nowadays, I'm, I'm pretty sure you've heard it online is like healing the inner child. And so mm -hmm. I feel as though like that, this is like a really good way to help kind of heal your inner child. And yeah. the way that I see it is like, of course you talked about the ways that your mom showed up for you and, and you might not have felt like you were in the best care at all times but it isn't really like a finger wagging you know pointing kind of like scathing novel in the sense like we understand like you talk about yes she left and wasn't here for weeks upon a time and then came back and it's like I don't know the way that you approach it is very from a forgiving sort of standpoint would, would you say that um you've, you've part of this is like part of that forgiveness yeah, that was really, it was, um, that was one thing that I really struggled with because, um, as many of the people in our lives are, my mother was very, very complicated. Um, she was, she, she could be the most like supportive cheerleader, you know, build you up person, um, introduced me to so many interesting things in life and really cared about things in a lot of ways. And then she could be the scariest, meanest, tear you down, <laughs> get taken away, put in a padded cell person, you know, that, that is just, she was both of those things. So writing, it was really difficult for me to figure out what I was trying to say, um, and to try to really step back and look at it and, and 
say what was real and not to just make it one-sided because I could push it one way or I could push it the other way. And so the end I really struggled with, but I really wanted, I really want to give that feeling that, you know, this, there were both sides, like things were really hard. And then there were also things that like, I want to, I wish I could say thank you. And then there are parts where it's like, Oh, I'm glad I don't have to say thank you. (laughs) Yeah. And so how yeah. have, uh, how have your children kind of reacted to the book and, you know, seeing their, their grandmother kind of painted in this light? Um, was that something that you thought about when, uh, publishing it? Um, I did wonder what they would think about it. Cause it's a sad book for sure. Um, and I, sorry, I have an eight and a 10 year old, um, and they both read it. Um, my daughter read it. She's the 10 year old. She read it to by herself. So I have less of a feeling. I think she's just excited that I'm drawing comics because she loves to draw. And so she's like, oh my gosh, this is very, I think she more thinks of it that way and is a little more removed from um, the weight of it. Um, I read it aloud to my son. Like he can read, but like, I, I felt like he would just breeze through it and wouldn't get it if I didn't like read it to him. There are very few words in the book. Um, and he, I think had a much more emotional connection to it and was really sad about it and like stopped me at one point to like ask a question and like, it was heavy for him. Um, they, they, they were very, very young when my, when my mom passed. So, so they don't have a real connection with her. So they, they don't, they aren't like grandma, like what they don't. And because it doesn't look like me and because it doesn't look like her, I think that that helped them sort of like separate out from fully having to like, think about it. Um, and, I, and, um, have to like be there for me or somehow be a parent to me or anything. Um, so, so I think that they, they like that it's happening and they think it's fun, but, but I think, I think that that's sort of how they've dealt with it. Okay. And how have your friends uh, reacted to the book as well? Cause I know that you have a, a cadre of longtime friends. And so I'm sure that they <laughs> have been there for you yes. while you were maybe yes. even navigating some of the things that you talk about in the book. So what has that been like? That's been, it's been great. I mean, everyone is so supportive. So I grew up here. Um, I was born in Berkeley. I lived in all the little towns around here, like Emeryville, Oakland, El Cerrito, um, all within a 20 mile radius. Um, so I do have a lot of people that I grew up with that I've stayed really close touch with. And I feel like despite not having blood family, other than my kids, I have that I am in close contact with, I have, um, I have a very strong like network of people that are, that are, we support each other. Um, and, you know, I've had friends who I had one friend who helped with the story structure. I had written it out and I, I sent it to her and she gave me really great feedback and she said to switch some parts and it like really changed the book and really for the better. Um, so she, that was really important. And then just talking through a lot of it and like Tin and I, you know, we, we work together every day drawing our comics during quarantine. So that was, and he's, even though he's a newer friend, we've only been friends for 18 years. Um, just, you know, he's one of my new friends. Um, but having our little sort of, you know, think tank, um, at work was, uh, really, really great. Cause we could bounce ideas off each other. We could talk things through. It was always someone to sort of like have as a sounding board. Um, and then there were so many people who maybe weren't integral in like the writing of the book or anything like that, but were just like, they're so excited and people, you know, are just, it's just been great. Everyone's so nice. <laughs> yes. We love community support. That's something that, yeah. you know, you had touched on as well, Tin, about the importance of having community um, for folks who are, you know, publishing work and things like that. And so um, I want to segue into both to talking about both of y'all. 
And so, um, at, yes. <laughs> so at the um, at Mrs. Dalloway's at the book uh, debut, Tin, you talked a little bit about uh, your guys's friendship origin story. So if you wanted to give me like kind of a high level overview, I'd love to hear. You know, how did y'all? Be, um, <laughs> well, you know, I I I'd been I'd gone gone to Oakland a little before you came back. Brianna was in New York for a little bit. And uh, while I was in Oakland, I had like, you know, we, we had a huge community again of, of, uh, of people that were doing these comics that where we would, you know, um, you know, color, uh, like we would draw them and, and, uh, and Xerox them and sell them. Um, and so me and a friend of mine, my, my friend Jesse, we would go to all these conventions all over uh, the United States and we would sell our comics to all these stores and sell it to the convention. And he, he said, well, why don't we um, set up a, a distribution company where we buy these comics from all these people? And, um, and long story short, so we had this distribution company. We were always looking for new car- cartoonists. And one day I saw in a, uh, in a store... Uh, this amazing, amazing book called uh, Walk Like Tall Birds. And it was a, a little mini and we had not never seen it before. And it was very weird. What was there very um, odd when we didn't recognize a cartoonist because our community was, even though it was pretty big, it was, it was pretty small. And we thought we had recognized everybody. And uh, and I, I was blown away by the book, but the book didn't have any contact information and we didn't know who had done it. So for months we were searching for this this person who did this book who basically just signed the book Brianna with one N and uh, and 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 I just wrote my name you, you guys just wrote I don't your name. Really think that I wrote Brianna with one N <laughs> <laughs> and uh and so then one day we were doing a, a I think a book talk at Pegasus um and uh it was just our us cartoonists doing a cartoonist reading we did we did that like once a month or something like that and lo and behold um Brianna came and she introduced herself and asked if we would I think you asked if we would carry your comics and we were like and then you told us what you did and we were all like like what there she is um and uh, and then so we it was uh, that, that's when we initially met but then uh we took uh her comics as well as everyone else's comics to this a uh, great um indie comic show called Ape that was happening in San Francisco um, at the time, and and I was selling at the table, and Brianna uh, uh, and I were both selling, and that's when we just struck up a friendship. And I, I would was... like to add to the story, my side of the story, oh, okay. which was that I was just here alone in Oakland, selling my stupid comics, sad that I didn't know any other cartoonists, because my only other cartoonist friend still lived in New York, and um I was at a different bookstore and I saw a tiny little flyer with a unicorn on it that just said, can comics save the world? And then like uh, the Pegasus reading. And I was like, I'm going to go to this event by myself because I was young with no responsibilities. So I went to this comic reading and that's where I met everyone. So I feel like this uh, unicorn flyer did save the world. (laughs) No. Absolutely. Yeah, so that, and it's just a testament to like if you see a thing that looks like it's going to interest you, follow that, follow that lead because you never know where it's going to go. And like, I can't imagine if I didn't go to that comics reading, like maybe we would have met at some point. Eventually, yeah, yeah. But it was yeah. still like it was, um, yeah, pretty great. Um, so, so that's and then we became friends. So we became like 
basically instant besties. Yeah, like, we, you know, yeah. I yeah. was just like, hey, I remember. Uh, I remember when we were selling. Um, you know, like I, I, it's hard as as an old person, I, I, to make friends. Like when you cross a certain like age, you it, it, you're just a little bit more. You have your shields up, and you just we were like mid twenties. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I was and I just remember like us hitting off really well and then I was like hey I you know we live in sort of the same neighborhood mm-hmm. at the time uh and I was like I draw every Wednesday at this coffee shop and uh do you want to draw and then she then Brianna came and then we started drawing every Wednesday for years yeah every Wednesday at 7 p.m we would draw yeah um, we had like an article written about us in like Oakland magazine because we would just <laughs> we always like at this coffee shop one of Gaylords on Piedmont Avenue which is sadly no longer with us um but we yeah yeah we just and, and then yeah and then we started uh working together um I, there was an opening for an art teacher at, at the school and I and uh Brianna you know got it and uh and then, and yeah, was, and then that was like a, like like a year after we became friends. Yeah, it was like yeah, 2006. Yeah, and basically from then on, like 2006, we basically saw each other every day. Yeah, since then, <laughs> since now it's 2023. So for that long, me and Brianna probably see each other every day. Yeah, like Tin's the godfather of my kids. Like we see yeah. each other, and we draw work. all the time. Together. Yeah, yeah. Like we, it's yeah. it's uh it's uh yeah, it's tough when you. It's hard to like as artists and writers to find friends, to find people where there's no ego, there's no like jealousy, there's no, you know, everybody just wants the best for mm-hmm. everyone else. And I, I've, I've been lucky enough to find a couple that happened a couple of times in my life where I found art friends that just, it just feels like, like uh like easy like yeah like a yeah. Co- collaborator and a, and a friend as opposed to like um competitive mm-hmm. artists you know um and uh and so like you know when i got my uh, my my book sold brianna was super happy for me because we were working out together and and, yeah, he, and he was still like maybe right before yeah maybe maybe two months before i got yeah. mine so and then you so, got yours and yeah. we were ecstatic yeah. and then both of us were working on it together and you know would give each other tips and basically it's neat nice to have someone to go through it with yeah. i don't think a lot of people have that yeah. like sometimes i will feel like anxiety over something and i'll talk it over with brianna and you know sometimes she'll have the same anxiety and we just kind of discuss the the same anxiety that we have or sometimes she'll be like you know that's that's nothing you have to worry about or i'll say the same thing and it's it's just a nice yeah yeah (laughs) it's just a nice like uh push and pull because we're also able to be super honest with each other we didn't do a lot of like no that's not good yeah (laughs) like i can't do that yeah well you say hey you know like a lot of times you show somebody hey what do you you think of this and everyone always like that's great that's great nobody wants to you know yeah yeah yeah. tell you that something is not a good idea but but we we don't have because we we see each other every day and it's almost like a family mm-hmm. like like uh we're almost yeah that we don't really because we know well at least I do I know that like um I know that the Brianna always just wants the best for me and you know I want the best for Brianna so it's never like if she gives me a criticism it's not like hurtful she'll never be hurtful. And I, you know, I'm the same way. So, 
Um, so I can take that criticism really well because I'm just like, oh yeah, she's just trying to help and not be hurtful. So yeah, I'm 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 excited to take that. So yeah, yeah, agreed. That's really sweet. Oh, comic besties. And so given okay. that, yes, given that you've been in the comic book space, as you said, you started like in the early two thousands. Uh, you've of course seen the evolution of the ways that we distribute artwork. Um, you talked about how you went down to the copy store and you know we're pushing your books onto you know what kind of doing door to door sales, if you will of your digital comics but nowadays yeah you know it seems as though people aren't necessarily picking up newspapers anymore you know having them thrown on their porch um it seems as though it's all digital it's all on our phones and so when did you kind of make that transition to like ah okay you know newspapers are coming a bit obsolete and so now I'm gonna you know take my um stuff online when did you kind of have that aha moment I'm curious for both of you um well I did a I guess I didn't do we didn't do a lot online um I did a, Instagram was basically our our our, our thing I, I did have a blog though in the mid in the in the okay and I did a daily comic of these feet and it was like every day it would I did it for like a year of these feet would have these stupid conversations it's probably still out there somewhere on my blog spot that I can't log into to delete so um but that was that was like an online thing because that was probably like my first foray into like you could just put art out here and you don't have to copy it and people can see it um and then Instagram has been really great and that's actually like how Tin kind of got his book deal because he's just that dope he just <laughs> I'm gonna just put some comics up here and then there's like a bidding war and everyone well, that, was to publish both, his that, book. that was both of us like I think the, the 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 problem with comics and I don't know about writing but the problem with comics is it takes a long time yeah like our my book took like it took a, like a year and a half to do finish mm -hmm. to draw and write and another, you know, year and a half to, um, to publish. So it's been three years. I've, 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 I finished this book like a year and a half ago and, and it's taken this long just to, to publish. Um, so the, the problem with that is that like, if, if you, you're like, I'm, I'm going to wait for my next thing. So the next thing, if I don't put anything online or, um, you're going to have to wait another year or three years to see any new work from me. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that was like the olden days. You'd wait, like it's the same, it's like you wait three years for Dan Klaus to put on the next book mm -hmm. or 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 Adrian Tomene to mm -hmm. put out the next book. Um, but with with uh, the internet and with, uh, with uh, you know, like Instagram and all that, everything can be very immediate, right? Yeah. So even if you're working on a long story, you can put out chunks of it so that people can follow along or people are interested in following along. And I think in the back in the day, the book world was like, don't do that because then people aren't going to want to buy the book when it comes out. But I think they they realized that that's not the case at all. That like, if a person is following your story online and the book comes out, they're going to buy the book. There is a yeah, ephemera quality well, to it. You can piece together the whole story yeah. from seeing like a year and a half of Instagram posts. You know, even if you put the whole book out, which neither of us did, like yeah. you, it would just like, you'd be like, wait, what happened? There, there, you, there'd be no reason to like, that someone wouldn't buy the book then. Um 
But I feel like what's also cool about having the immediacy of the digital stuff is like, like Tim was saying, how it's like we could start our next projects and like kind of have that going while we waited for our, it's so hard to have your book, how long it takes for your book to come out. Like I, this is really new for me. Tim's published other things. So he has more um, experience maybe, but I was just like, it is so long, but it's also good. Cause I was like, I think if it had come, like I drew the last drawing, sent it. And a week later got my book. I think I would be too emotionally like invested. So the year is actually like, for me, has been kind of nice to just be like, I, what, what did I do? Like, like, and then read it again and be like, Oh, I love this. What a great idea. They should publish this book. Yeah. I, I, I think, um, uh, right now, uh, cartoonists, like a uh, cartoonist, like us, uh, will go on to a lot of web platforms and put on their comics. And I think that's great. Like my advice to young cartoonists is to do it and yeah. just put it out yeah. there. You know, whether you feel don't like, because people always feel it. like I'm not ready yet or, but you know, but don't just do it and then yeah. fail or yeah. do it and we made succeed. So many, yeah, we made but so don't, many, we sold like three copies. Don't not do it because you don't feel like you're ready. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Just throw it out there and eventually you will be ready uh, and you it will be out there and it's be, it'll be great. And then the cool thing is you'll have a following by that time. You know, by the time that you are actually putting out stuff that you're proud of, you've had all these people that followed you, you know, like through the times that you weren't, didn't think you were doing so well that will now see your stuff. You know, you're not starting from, from uh, ground zero, but but I do see uh, that even though technology is is big, I think the um, the the retroness of, of of printed media is mm-hmm. starting to come back. You know, I still I, I see zines, kids making zines now, and like and and printing mini comics, and and like if you go into any comic book store now, and I highly recommend. Uh, whether it's comic book store or books or indie booksellers like uh, Pegasus or um, you know uh, yeah any of the comic stores, you'll see a section that is basically local authors making mini comics, and uh, it's a great you know it's great to discover new talent that way. There's a lot of new ideas. Like if you're sick of seeing the same old things, the same old like stories, you know, um, because publishing, you know, they they go with what is what is going to sell. So a lot of the publishing stuff is all going to be very similar, but if you're looking for something like interesting and new and, and, you know, maybe kind of raw, maybe not as polished, that's a great section to go to, you know, and, and also you are supporting a local artist and author. Um, And who knows, you know, like you might be picking something up that is the next great big thing. And you have like Mm -hmm. the handmade version, which is pretty cool. I like that kind of what's old is new is kind of that perspective and so um and again like I'm so excited to have the physical copy of your book Brianna I'm so excited once I will get family style tint because it's like you know audible is great kindle is great but only to a certain degree like I'm the type I like to highlight and I don't know it's 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 just much more of a personal I love to feel I'm a I'm a I'm a traditional book reader. I don't have a Kindle, nothing against them. I just like to feel the pages, even if it's prose, but with graphic novels, it's like so like um, delicious to get Mm -hmm. to see like the page with the colors or the beautiful black and whites or whatever it is. We know, we love to see it. So support, you know, local uh, comic book artists when you see them, 
in stores. And so one thing I wanted to touch on is that you're both kind of revolutionary in your own right today, being that you're a teacher in the time and a published author in the time of book bans. I know that's mm. a big, you know, kind of subject right now. Um, it might not be as prevalent in California, but the conversation is, you know, happening at the moment. And so why would you say that now is the most important time to publish books in the light of book bans? Um, and what does it look like for someone to publish their work? Well, I feel like one thing that is happening at the same time as this horrifying banning of books is that a lot of new voices are coming in and getting book deals and getting published, which is, isn't that interesting that that is when they've decided to like really clamp down and try and ban books in schools, especially. Um, so I think that, um, now more than ever, we need people to be telling their stories and, or, you know, making up story, whatever it is, like speaking from their voice and perspective, um, and really keep pushing that, um, that we want to hear from all these different voices. We don't want to just hear the same story told over and over again. We don't want to hear from the same um, basic perspective. We want to really, this is the time that we need all these books. And so like, that's great that they're coming out and also to fight against like this wave of fascism. I don't know. How do you get that out? Whatever you want. <laughs> no, go it. This is a safe space. Um with the book banning that's going on. Um, so I, I do see both of those things happening and I hope the right side of history wins. It's it's really just like um, people, uh, young people wanting different voices and sharing their thoughts and ideas and uh, old people being afraid of it. Or old people <laughs> and their thoughts and voices, Tin. Yeah, but they're just like afraid of, of all these new things that are happening. I'm calling us old. Yeah, I know. Okay. But we're not that old. I feel like that you didn't laugh hard enough. <laughs> um, but but I, I yeah, I mean, I think that that's the thing. It's just fear. Um, and, uh, and, and I think other generations have felt it, but this generation probably the most because um, of the technology and all that stuff. There's just a lot of fear out there um, uh, for, because, you know, everything's going way faster, you know, like our like social evolution, I think is just going way faster than, mm -hmm. than, than it has in the past. Yeah. I think for some people th that feels scary. Um, so but I'm glad, I mean, I, and it's weird, but I, I'm glad to be living in California. And I'm glad to like, um, like when you hear of things that are being banned other places, um, like everyone rallies around that, that, that book, you know, or that, that piece yeah. of art and, uh, and that author. And I think that's super important that like, if you uh, are privileged enough to live in an area where, you know, you have the freedom to consume any type of art you like, um, that you support the arts that are like being attacked. I do think, yeah, I think it's really important that if we hear of books that are being banned to go out and buy that book or buy an extra copy of it to really show our support. That's like the way that you can support authors is, um, buying their books. Absolutely. And I feel as though you see the way that this new generation is, you know, I feel as though they, they don't take any shit, um, if you will. And so <laughs> have you seen or heard conversations like in the classroom about kids maybe asking like, you know, are our books going to be banned? 
you know, what can we do to like rally and protest? Like what, what have you kind of seen um, with this new wave? We go to a pretty, um, uh, this go to, we work at a pretty progressive um, school in terms of social justice is like one of the main focuses of the school. So our student body is fairly um, uh, progressive and very in support of books not being banned. Um, they have challenges in the libraries, you know, as, as libraries should have just the option for kids to voice if something, you know, here's a, maybe a reason we shouldn't carry this book. So like, that's kind of interesting too, because it is important to like give voice to people. Um, and then the librarians will sometimes be like, oh, that's a valid concern. We'll put a note, you know, a warning on this book, or sometimes they're like, nope, <laughs> this is, you know, or though whatever it is that happens. But, um, but I, I haven't heard kids talk too much about it. They're usually working very hard in our class with no time to talk. But um. <laughs> we do have a we do have a couple of our uh, our friends who um, uh, have graphic novels that are uh, been targeted uh, for bans. You know, um, American born Chinese. American born Chinese, which is uh, our friend Jean Yang's book, has been uh, a target of some places. And um, Reina Tala my our friend Reina's book. Um, tell, tell, <laughs> One of his besties we text all day. Taglemeyer. Um, her book, um, Drama, uh, mm-hmm. has always been has been uh, been abandoned in so many places. Um, our friend Maya's book, um, uh, Gender Queer, is one of the most banned books. Yeah, that's really targeted in, right in now. all the United States. So um so we hear from from that perspective and for uh for their fight and um and uh and yeah it's 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 disheartening to to know that there there are uh, just I feel like the people that are banning that are scared of these books are just a few of them but because they're in the positions of power mm. that they're, they're able to do the, these things but I would say the majority of the people you know they not only want these books for people but like enjoy them and need them yeah but i also would like to plug an american born chinese while it's being banned is coming out as a television show on disney plus airing may 24th um everybody watch it it has michelle yo it has kui kwan it has like this amazing cast gene is an executive producer so he was super involved in the making of the show so i hope everyone tunes in that first week it's very important that's what i learned in hollywood very important the first week you gotta watch it on put it just put it on a loop you guys <laughs> we love American Chinese. let's get a second season yeah but- i mean if we want if we want this type of media in books, in film, in music, in TV shows, if we want more voices, we need to be out there supporting it. It would be, it's really hypocritical of someone to be like, well, I really want more voices, but then not go and support those arts. Yeah. And, and that happens a lot. You know, yeah. like That's how you people always it. say, I want more diverse voices. And then when a book comes out that is all like, uh, you know, uh, uh, people of color or um, or different, um, you know, uh, genders and stuff like that, that people don't support it. And then the then the, the people that are in power can say, see, people don't want that. So I, I think it's super important. Even if you're like not really interested, like even if it's a genre that you might not be interested, it's important that you support it in some way. Yeah. 
Absolutely. And of course, we want to uh, support you and your forthcoming book, Tin. And one of the things uh, for folks who will eventually go to your social media is, and something I've been intrigued by is uh, your minute and a half videos of you eating noodles every day. <laughs> Do you want to talk a little bit about that as like a fun way to promote? Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 a, it's one of the biggest mistakes I've made in my life. Uh, I, uh, I, I just nonchalantly ate some noodles one day and wanted to film it. I don't know if you know this, but, but my favorite, uh, my favorite videos on Instagram is just of, uh, men eating, uh, noodles or, it's, or people eating noodles. Like, it's true. He loves it. He's yeah. like, it doesn't just come up. I on love your it. Uh, I love it. Like, I follow it... all these where they just eat but not just okay. noodles they eat. it's like they look like eat. so cool it's not even like the people are like oh you like people like um you know that eat a lot of stuff like i don't even want people eating a lot of stuff i just okay. like watching people eat okay go 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 tell and me it's love very to see creepy. It. no it's it like very mushroom? creepy because i also like the you know, like like watching people eat in real life and is it, it, like all right well, I, I, well what i'm trying to say is i like watching people eat we love and, to see it this so, is a safe space <laughs> I, I don't know why you're making fun of me but i just want to support people when they want I diversity in food um so so i was like okay i'm gonna try one of these uh and uh and i i did it and i said hey this will be fun i'll eat a noodle bowl of noodles every week until my book comes out i think that sounds cool and uh, i didn't really expect much from it and then a friend of mine was like why don't you try it every day and then i was like I can do that like i mean i need eat, i eat noodles every day getting so i was like cooking. sure i'll do it and i really expected people to just be like tin this is stupid uh yeah and or or the, my publishing company saying hey tin you can't do that that's this is gross or something like that but then everywhere yeah, i go nice. people are just like I love you eating those noodles keep yeah. it up and i'm just like, uh, like here's a noodle place you should try it or like have you yeah. tried it like it's like gonna. I don't want to say it will sell more copies than your book, but it's like yeah, it's yeah. doing very well. I can tell you that I can I can pretend like it's hard, but really, um, I eat noodles all the time, anyways. We yeah. love so to it's see really it. not that hard. Well, but it is embarrassing. <laughs> it is embarrassing when you go out with a friend, especially a friend you don't you don't like hang out with often, and say, um, can you sit over there because I need room for my camera. Which he does. You know, and, and, and they'll, they'll just, I'll just be like, oh, you just continue eating like normal. My, the camera's just on me. You know, it's just like, it is a little bit embarrassing to just do that. Well, I, I can foresee, and, and I'm in no ways in marketing, but like if you got like 10 Bay Area noodle restaurants and did your like sit down, like rented it out, did a talk to debut your book, <laughs> and we just sit around yeah. and we eat noodles. And I, I know talking with your mouthful is like kind of a faux pas, but- I don't care. You know, I would definitely yeah, love I, to be like. I would love to do books and noodles. Yeah. Like, who... I'd love to do that like on stage somewhere. Absolutely, where everyone just, just watches me eat noodles call, on stage. Call your agent <laughs> and let them know. Like, we we can do this book tour, this book promo, uh, family style dinner. You know, executive yeah, family style dinner. That. So we can talk offline because I, I have some ideas. Oh. Uh, flowing through but this has been really amazing and so um as we wrap up um you had mentioned a little bit earlier but I always like to ask um who are some folks within your orbit that you would like to um kind of uplift and um some folks in your network that you're looking forward to um supporting um we have a friend Rena Ayuyang and her book is coming out from Drawn and Quarterly um 
early May. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's exciting. Um, Gene Yang just had a book. Oh, his is coming coming out out the 30th or May 20th. You'll see it. It's Um, called the book of clash, the book of clash. So it's like based, um, on clash of clans, that game, clash of clans, Mm -hmm. that game. Um, and, um, so that's going to be really great. Our friend Jason Shiga has a series of, um, of a uh, uh, middle grade um, choose your own adventure comics. I think the next one's going to be called Samurai versus Ninja, uh, and it is coming out from Abrams Books. Yeah, we have a lot of uh, there's a lot of books out there that um, during the oh. pandemic, I think it was a lot of people want another book called Bat Cat, which is uh, for young readers. Uh, it's by uh, Miggy Ram, and it's a a story about. Um, uh, it's like a a story about trans and uh, like LGBTQ, and but through, yeah, non-binary, yeah. Uh, but through a kids book. It's for really kids cute. Too. Yeah, it's really cute. Non-comic related. My husband Stephen Lonson is a drone photographer and filmer, and he did a lot of work on the new on the TV show Blind Spotting, and the second season airs on Friday, um, which is very exciting. There'll be an opening night at the Grand Lake Theater if you are local and in Oakland. Um, but um, that's the show based on the movie Blind Spotting with um, Davi Diggs and Raphael Casal, um, and this is the second season of the television show on Stars, um, and any drone work that you see Steve Lowenson did and it's incredible and it's all local so it's all Oakland Berkeley I don't want to spoil where they go but they go to some pretty wild places in this season um because I got an inside scoop as to where he was sent um or where you know he had footage from so anyway it's very exciting so support blind spotting watched on stars amazing and then uh since we're all you know tried and true East Bay area uh, East Bayers I must say um, where are some of your favorite bookstores to go to and do they carry your books? Oh, um, my favorite is Spectator Books on Piedmont Avenue. They, I just signed a couple of copies yesterday. So there are copies there. We love Mrs. Dalloway's. We love Pegasus. We love, um, a lot of the comic book stores. Um, I, I the, my, my favorite comic book stores, uh, are, I love, um, the Escapist. It's on uh, it's on Claremont. I love, um, there's a great one called Cape and Cow. I think it's in downtown mm-hmm. on 5th or, downtown Street or something like that, downtown Oakland. It's such a great comic store. Um, I would, I, uh, I really love the store called Flying Colors in Concord. So if there's people out there in Concord. There's a great place called Mission Comics and it is in San Francisco. West Bay. Uh, well, also are... Green Apple Books if we're going to talk oh, yeah. West Bay. We got yeah. Green Apple Books. We got some really like, you know, us, our Bay Area is we're so full lucky of, here. of yeah. great, but great really anywhere shops. You know they're going to have our books. Yeah. We're very fancy and famous now. Yeah, <laughs> Of course. Y'all are like the most famous people to come on to the show. <laughs> and so, of course, this has been a really amazing conversation. I definitely want folks to continue to support your book. And so um, if you don't mind spelling out each of your respective social media handles so we can find you, like, comment, tweet, all of the good things. Right. So you can always search for Brianna Lowenson or Ephemera Instagram and that'll find me. But my Instagram, what is it? A handle? A name? I don't know what it's called. Is I'm going to spell it, everybody. Get your pencils out. B-R-I-A-N-A-B-R-E-A-K-S. So it's Brianna Breaks. Brianna with one N. Brianna with 
one N as I just spelled it. If you were listening, um, Tim Pham, uh, what's your? <laughs> oh man, mine is embarrassing. It's a T H I E N, which is my first name, so Tin, and then T O G, like a dog. With just one G, or just one G, <laughs> uh, Tin the dog. Uh, that's it. Um, I I got the I got it when I was in high school. So I'm gonna just, make a trolling. I didn't change it. Just, two Gs. I, and the the internet came to us when I was in I think freshman year in, in college. You don't know this is not. Don't listen to any of Tin's timeline. Yes. and then okay. so I made a hotmail account, and at that time, all my friends was like Tin Dog. And I went. Yeah, he, dog. he didn't support it. I got fault. you know, you know, it's early because I actually got Tin Dog at Hotmail.com. I didn't get Tin Dog one two three. I yeah, didn't I have to get Tin Dog. Dog. Anyways, that's what it is. Um, Everyone wanted that. Awesome. Yeah. And do you, uh, what do you want to remind the folks of when your book publishes and how we can uh, get it? I'll do it for him because. Um, I'm going to do a better job. Tim's book comes out from First Second Books, which is an excellent publisher. It comes out on June 20th, 2023. So that's 6, 2023. Um, and you can buy that book literally anywhere. Um, it's going to be a really big deal. He's going to be so famous. You're going to lose your mind. Um, he, so it, like any bookstore is going to have it. Any like book list online is another really great place to look, um, for books. And, um, we can't wait. Yeah. He's going to do a tour. It's going to be great. So be yeah. see it. I can't wait to eat noodles and talk about all things food and art and, you know, love and life. Aww. So oh, well, thank you so much for having us on this podcast. It's been so fun. so fun. Thanks for letting us babble. This of course. Yeah, I really appreciate the conversation. It was really eye-opening and mind-blowing. And I look forward to highlighting uh, any sort of forthcoming um, things that you publish. So as you know, Story Noir is could always be the first place you can come to to talk about That's right. you know, That's right. the amazing things. And so when you're too cool for school and don't remember my name, it, you know, just, just remember Story Noir. Just well, you don't always. remember us. You get to speak for us and we're just like having our publicists try and get in touch with you yeah. and send you promo copies and you aren't responding to our emails. Well, you know. It's <laughs> I'm sorry that you have to edit us talking over each other. This no, whole time. this is this is perfect because again, it's a, it shows like just how much y'all are friends and family and huh? it just felt like a living room conversation. So thank <laughs> you so much. I appreciate you and we'll see you next time. Thank you, Opal. Thank you. See ya.